Cusick. Not just a word, a movement, a mindset, and a podcast. Welcome to Fusick. All right, welcome everybody to the Fusick podcast. We have a very um, interesting and fun guest today, Orondate Tertulino Luis Martinez Roarte. <laughs> uh, you oh, you jumped and... ahead there. You jumped ahead there. <laughs> I like it. I had to it. do it. I had yeah, to do it. Yeah, I yeah, was ready. Yeah, yeah. I had written it down. I was ready. I'm Craig Miller, your co-host, always accompanied by the one and only Mr. TJ McGinnis. TJ, your turn to pronounce this name. Orandiaste Tortolieno Luis Martinez Duarte. Orandaste Tortolino Luis Martinez Duarte. Yeah, it's some. I, I love the way that you guys uh, somehow just made me Italian all of a sudden. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but so, well, Luis, can you please say your full name for us the correct way, not the redneck or main way? Uh, well, you, you you guys actually did a, a pretty good job, man. So I I, com- I, nice. I commend you on on that. But it's yeah, but it's pronounced Orondaste Tertuliano Luis Martinez Duarte. That's exactly what I said. Yeah, I thought it was exactly what I said too. Yeah, nope. exact, exactly. You know, three different perspectives. I think man. you said it. I think you said it wrong. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, I've been practicing for a really long time, and it took me till about the age of six to actually be able to pronounce that. So, that's you good. know, you, that's good. Well. Everybody, this is Luis Martinez, as known by most of you, um, very popular guy um, across the uh, insurance industry and with Colonial. Um, Luis, one thing I can tell you about is that as I have never heard anybody say a bad thing about you, um, no matter what part of the country I've, I've been in. So many people know you, so pleasure to have you on the show, man, and uh, just excited to, to have you here, and, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to be on the podcast with us. Oh, well, man, I appreciate the kind words, and thank you guys for having me. I'm, I'm going to say that you haven't spoken to enough people if no one's saying anything bad about me, though. <laughs> well, we'll keep trying. If they do, it's in Spanish, and we don't understand them. There, right? there you go. That's what it, that's what it is. <laughs> that's right. Well, TJ, what you got going on this weekend, man? We are just relying low with the family. Um Hanging out, got some fantasy football, getting Quinn into football, which has been fantastic. She goes, Dad show, is it football? We'll be watching Dad show football. So uh, some swimming. She's learned how to swim, which is great. Uh, but just enjoying ourselves, man. How, how about you? Uh, it's Katie's birthday Sunday, so we are um, going to go and hang out in, in downtown Chicago for the weekend and, and relax and watch some football ourselves and go to dinner and, and enjoy it. So hopefully the weather will hold out a little bit. Uh, it's pretty nasty up here now, but either way, blessed to be able to spend the weekend down there and, and hang out and get some one-on-one time. So excited about that for sure. And, and the Yankees-Red Sox series begins. It oh, begins. Wow. Nice. It begins. And I'll tell you what, it was uh, it was fun last weekend. Even, you know, to me, I've been, to a, been blessed to be able to go to a lot of major league ballparks and, and see a lot of different stadiums and teams play. And I think I'm at number 19 or 20 now um, of the 32 stadiums. And 
Fenway just continues to. I mean, I know I'm biased because I'm a Red Sox fan. Yeah. Fenway is there's there's nothing like it, man. There's nothing like the crowd, the atmosphere, nope. the city, the stadium. There's it just you can't beat it. The people live and breathe. It is like college football in Alabama. It is for every single game. It's I, awesome. I was so much fun. I was 12 years old at a Yankee series. We saw a three game series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday deal, and on the third game. Uh, Jimmy Key was pitching, and uh, I brought a little broom, and I got beer spilt on me at 12 <laughs> for the sweep. So That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's because you're a Yankees fan. Yes, of course. Hey, you want to put a little hundo on this deal, on this series? Yeah, we'll put a dollar or two. Let's put, let's put a $2 bill. Let's put a $2 bill on this. All right. All right. We'll put a $2 bill on it. Awesome. I will say, even though the Red Sox had the best record they've ever had, I'm 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 not terribly confident in this series just because of how hot the Yankees are. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll I heard it. That. I heard That's it in fun. your voice just then. Uh, so yep, I am. But hey, let's get to yep. it. Nobody's here to hear us talk about that. We're here for the man of the hour, Mister Orondaste Tardino Luis Martinez Duarte. <laughs> Duarte. I like it. I like it. Just keep practicing, man. You got five years to keep practicing that, and I'm sure you will get it. That's right. That's right. Well, Luis, tell us your, uh, what Fusick means to you, man, for everyone who said I couldn't, and tell us the uh, your Fusick story. Cool, man. Well, again, uh, thank you guys for, for having me on this morning. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's a humbling experience. I know you guys have had some, um, some great guest speakers uh, on this podcast, so uh, I'm excited to just be be part of it. Uh, in terms of, of Fusick itself, um, I'm going to start with my, my story, if you don't mind, and then I'll come back uh, and kind of define a little bit about what Fusick, uh, Fusick means, means to me, uh, if that's all right. So can I change it up a little bit, guys? Yes. <clears throat> Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I appreciate it. Well, yeah, I'll try to make this short. I got a long, crazy, interesting story, and maybe uh, at another time we can sit down and drink coffee for two hours or, uh, or have another adult beverage, and I can tell you the uh, the full story. But I'll, I'll try to uh, keep it at a, at a high level and just um, talk about some significant uh, points along the way that have kind of uh, just shaped and, and molded uh, me and, and kind of helped me get to where, where I am today. So uh, I think the story could probably start out um, at the age of six, so I'm going all the way back <laughs> at the age of uh, six. Both of my parents are actually uh, Colombian, uh, but I was born in, in Panama, which is uh, Central Central America, and at the age of six, uh, unfortunately, uh, my my dad split at that time, so uh, there was no, no father figure in the home. Uh, it was me and my mom, and uh, we were left with some de- decisions to make after that uh, unfortunate heartbreak and uh, and life lesson there that uh, life is not was not always going to be peaches and rainbows. So, mom made a, a decision uh, to come to the states. Uh, grand grandma had already come to the states with uh, four uh, four her children, and my mom was the only one uh, that was back in in Central America because she had gotten married at a at a young age. Uh, but she decided to come to the states and come live with uh, with with grandma. So that's what we did. It was a few hurdles, but uh, we we made it. We made it, <laughs> um, and we went all the way to uh, from Colón, Panama. 
to uh, Columbus, Georgia. Out of all places in the United States of America, uh, we landed in we landed in Columbus, Georgia. That was where my my grandmother had brought her brought her family and tried to uh, start a, a life for them. So we came in, and it was uh, we were living in a we were obviously humble beginnings, super poor. Me and my mom living in a uh, two bedroom home in Columbus, Georgia, with uh, four of her siblings, my grandparents, and um, so it was a, a little crazy at the time, man. But we had to uh, make ends meet. So there was no, uh, there was no, no crying or bickering. We just had to uh, make it work. I remember going to uh, to first grade, uh, public school first grade. Obviously, no one that could uh, translate the language. So I, I sat there. Um, a kid with the name Orondaste Tertuliano that nobody really uh, understood. Uh, I wasn't understanding anyone, and it was just kind of a, a nightmare for me because um, uh, obviously wasn't learning anything at the time. So I had to, I had to take myself out of school after the uh, second week because uh, nothing was happening in terms of growth uh, from an educational standpoint. And um, so I did what any uh, seven, eight-year-old would do, and that was sit down in front of Sesame Street and teach himself English. <laughs> so I uh, I learned English from Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch, man. So anything that I that I say that you guys can't understand in English on this podcast, you can blame it on on Sesame Street. But that's <laughs> that's where that's where I learned English. Uh, learned enough English in a few months. I think it was like three or four to uh, quickly get back in school and uh, and finish up the uh, the the first grade uh, on time. So. Uh, yeah, luckily, luckily learn learn the language in enough enough time to do that. So it was just uh, again just grow, growing up, uh, kind of a, a difficult because of you know the fact that we were poor, the fact we had to learn the language, the fact that we were just oddballs being in in Georgia. Uh, but I actually, um, by the grace of God, man, in the uh, third grade. Uh, a couple of gentlemen reached out to me and my family uh, from the church that we had been uh, attending, uh, Fort uh, Benning Hills, Benning Hills Church in Columbus, Georgia. And uh, two gentlemen reached out to my grandmother. Uh, they had really taken a liking to my family and to uh, to me as a young a young boy. And they said uh, that they wanted to give me an opportunity to come to their uh, private school at Edgewood Baptist Church. And the school at that time was Christian Heritage Academy. And that, uh, so my mom, you know, was grateful for the opportunity, but told those gentlemen that there would just be no way that I could go to that school because we could obviously not not afford to uh, send me to a private school. Uh, They said, guess what, don't worry about it. We will give your son a scholarship to go to that school. All he has to do is, uh, you know, stay in good standing and come to church at least uh, twice a month. So immediately I said, you know, that's probably not going to work for me. I don't know about that church thing. (laughs) And my my mom looked at me like I was crazy. And she was like, boy, you going to that school. So you better you better figure out what you what you got to do. So ended up going to uh, to a private school. Um, 
excuse me, in uh, Edgewood Baptist Church from the third through the seventh grade. And it was quite the experience for me, man, because um, here I was, the only brown guy at an all-white school uh, with a crazy name, didn't really speak the language, and uh, also was very poor. And obviously, uh, at that time, you know, I'm going, no no offense, no offense, TJ, uh, no offense, Craig, but it's, uh, you know, just rich white kids. <laughs> so I was the oh, only... Neither of us were that, man, so there's neither no... Of us were yeah, man. So it was, uh, yeah, brown guy and all, all, all white school. So it was just, um, it, it was a learning, another learning experience for me. Kind of life of hard knocks. I was going, I was going to a school um, that obviously I did not fit in. But then at the same time, I would come back home and. I would not fit in there either because my the crew that I had ran with for so long, they would look at me, even though I was in the same economic state that they were, as, oh, the kid that gets to go to private school. So it was just, uh, it was just a cra- you know, crazy life coming up because um, I just w- didn't fit in anywhere. I didn't fit in the school that I was going to with the kids there. I didn't fit in with you know, the kids that I, was, uh, that I actually lived with in my neighborhood hood uh but it was a good life lesson man and i just looking back i can see that you know uh god put me in all these uh different situations so that i wouldn't be comfortable because uh, he he was going to want me in a lot of uncomfortable situations uh have an ability to trust in him to get me through it and learn some life lessons so i could help other people man um but then in the uh the ninth grade i actually moved to new york and now, now I'm a, a brown kid at an all-black school. <laughs> so uh, in, in New York, and now um, just another another crazy setting where um, where you know I just again have to adapt to an uncomfortable situation, have to kind of learn my way, and uh, uh, along the way I just kind of built this chip on my shoulder. You know, it's like man, life's handed me all these uh, crazy crazy circumstances that I have to adapt to. Um, and I'm putting these situations that I really, you know, that I really didn't ask to be in. And uh, I just started kind of developing a, a chip on my shoulder uh, while I was in New York, thinking that I was the one kind of just making making everything happen and, and the one in control. Well, I got a call um, throughout, I think it was my, my junior year. Yep, my halfway through my junior year. Uh, I got a call shortly after um, I had injured injured my knee i was uh, actually even though i'm a uh, vertically challenged i was actually a very good basketball player throughout high school and uh basketball kind of became my, my idol it was uh that's all i dreamed about that's all i did throughout the day and uh just playing basketball and playing basketball and just kind of learning that craft uh, because someone said that i wasn't going to be good enough and uh, someone said that i was too short to play ball so i wanted to prove them wrong and um and i feel like i did you know i became a really good basketball player but junior year started playing football uh destroyed destroyed my knee i didn't really understand um what what to do after that um it was just a little crazy for me cuz that's all i had really um that that's what I put my stake in. I put my stake in basketball. I didn't really have a ton of uh, deep relationships with friends. I didn't, you know. Obviously, I had I had moved to New York because uh, my mom and I weren't getting a, weren't getting along at the young age of uh, twelve, thirteen. Moved with my. Um, 
aunt and uncle to New York, and they had three kids of their own, so they didn't have a lot of time to pay attention to me. Um, so I just didn't have a lot of strong family ties. I didn't have a lot of strong uh, friendships. Uh, my only friendship was basketball, so when that was taken away from me, um, I was at a pretty uh, pretty tough state uh, in my life because I just didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, back to getting a, uh, a phone call um, midway through my junior year. Still to this day, I don't know who, who actually called me, but um, I got a call that said, um, hey, Luis, we need you to, to come home. Your mom's pretty, your mom's pretty sick. <clears throat> so I was like, okay, well, that's crazy. This must uh, be something pretty, pretty urgent and substantial. Somebody's giving me a call and telling me I need to come home. So uh, pack up and come home halfway through my junior year and come to find out that uh, my mom had been diagnosed with, uh, with lupus. Uh, another rare uh, autoimmune deficiency uh, called uh, poliomyositis. She was dealing with rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia. So just like a perfect, perfect storm of illnesses that, that she came down with. And uh, so I had to come back home and and help out. At the time, we had uh, I had two younger brothers. Uh, that I was able to reconnect with, and we had to figure, you know, I had to figure out real quick how I was going to uh, to help out and start bringing income uh, into the household because my um, my mother wasn't going to be able to. My brothers were too young to do so, and the other person living in my house was my grandmother. And uh, although she was a, a rock for me growing growing up and uh, always there at that time, not. Not too long after I came back, found out that uh, she also was diagnosed with cancer. So here I am, uh, 17 years old, in a household with two women that I hold very dear to my heart. My mom, she's sick now. My grandmother, she's sick. And I have to figure out how I'm going to put, uh, help put food on the table and a roof over our head because I got two, two little brothers that I need to take care of, man. So it was a, a lot thrown at me at a, um, yeah, a lot thrown at me. I didn't, you know, at a, <laughs> yeah, just a, just a little bit, man. But, uh, um, you know, going back to my, my mom and, and my grandmother just kind of uh, teaching me that, hey, we just got to make it happen. So that's what I did, man. I just uh, tried to make it, make it happen. Uh, came back to Columbus, Georgia. I knew that I had to make some significant cash, and there was only two places were in Columbus, Georgia, where you can make uh, enough money to uh, feed a family that size and, and have a, a decent living. And one of those places was uh, our number one competitor, Aflac, the Duck. Uh, their, their home office is in Columbus, Georgia, and the other place was a, a credit card processing company by the name of uh, Tesis, man. So those are the only two places I applied. And uh, and I didn't really believe in God at the time, but I, I prayed that I would uh, uh, get one of those two jobs. Jobs. And um, luckily enough, uh, Aflac gave me a call back and said that they had a position for me uh, in the mailroom if, if I was willing and able. And uh, I saw that as a, a foot in the door for me at a uh, prestigious company. And I, uh, I went ahead and made the decision to uh, start at Aflac at the age of 17 in the, in the mailroom. I graduated from, from high school. 
and um, started going to college immediately. So I'm working full time and going to college full time because uh, I'm trying to do right by my family, teach my brothers, um, you know, what it means to to be a hard worker, a good student, and and try to uh, be a, a family guy. But it um, <clears throat> but again, it was. It was just a lot. Uh, I thought I was doing it all on my own accord. I built a big chip on my shoulder. I thought the uh, the world owed me something because of all the circumstances that uh, that I had been put in. And uh, even though a lot of people would say that I was doing the right thing, uh, looking back, I know and and feel that. I might have been doing the right thing, but I was doing it all for the wrong reasons and all, and all with the wrong attitude because um, I was just doing with an attitude that, you know, woe, woe is me and I've uh, been put in a situation that I don't want to be in and, um, and I just got to make, make it happen. And now looking back, I consider it a, a blessing to uh, to be put in those uh, situations and circumstances because it's uh, definitely uh, taught me a lot of things. But a um, couple of years after I, I did that, as as you know, you remember me saying my my grandmother was battling cancer, and uh, a few years later, a couple of years later, excuse me, at the age of. Uh, 19 or 20, my, uh, my grandmother passed away from her battle with cancer, and, uh, and that was somewhat uh, devastating to me. My, my grandmother was kind of like my, my second mom, you know. While, while I was at the house, she was, uh, she was always there. Mom was, you know, trying to put, when she could, you know, try to put food on the table and a roof over her head, so she wasn't home a lot, didn't have the father figure growing up, so uh, grandma was kind of the rock that uh, held everything together and um, for the family was kind of a matriarchal figure um, that was considered the glue to the entire family so when when she passed man it was not only devastating to me but devastating to the family as a whole Uh, it hit me really hard but at the same time I I learned probably one of the most valuable lessons um, that I learned in life that that I still hold uh, to this day and still kind of motivates and propels me to always um, not only do right, but do right by others, and to um, not worry too much about my circumstances, regardless of what they are, man. So as she was, one of the final words and phrases that she said to me, she said in Spanish, so I won't repeat it in Spanish, but uh, I'll translate the English, and as she was uh, passing away, you know, she basically looked at me and said, you know, I love you, and uh, but there's a lot of things that I try to teach you along the way, but if you... If you don't remember any of those things, I do want you to hold something with you and make sure you remember this one thing. I want you to be a product of your decisions, not of your circumstances. And uh, and at that time, that hit me. I know it's a, maybe somewhat of a simple phrase, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, because here's a woman that we compare probably if we compare lives she probably had a, a way more dire circumstances than I, than than anything i ever went through her and my mom you know they went through through a lot they and they're both ill and here's my grandmother uh, dying of cancer and if anybody had to um had the right to complain about their circumstances i would think that at that time it would definitely be her 
Um, but she did the complete opposite. You know, she through the, through that whole battle, you would you wouldn't even you couldn't even tell that she was sick uh, outside of just you know the the physical because she was always smiling, always had a great spirit. Um, and always was trying to do right by others. And even at this moment, um, here she is teaching me a lesson about circumstances when she's the one uh, going through the, the worst circumstance of the, the two of us. So that just hit me really hard, man, and just kind of, um, you know, changed the trajectory of my life a little bit and, and how I viewed life. Because here I was... Um, Looking back and saying, you know, that life owed me something because of all of my circumstances and um, that I would, you know, that I wouldn't be somebody because of my circumstances and I just had to work and and do what I could and um, not understanding that, you know what, no, I have a decision to make. Regardless of those circumstances, I can make a decision uh, to have a positive attitude, to impact people in a positive way, and to look at those circumstances as actually uh, blessings because uh, they can help mold and shape you into a better person. So that in that instance, man, in that year, it just really kind of uh, changed how I viewed life and how I viewed um, taking care of my family and how I viewed the, the work that I was doing uh, with the duck at the time. And that just kind of uh, just moved moved me forward man so um the and and we can talk a little bit later about some of the other stuff but back to in terms of what fusic means to me that's why i wanted to start with my the story first is because uh growing up i actually didn't have a lot of people that uh that didn't tell me that i couldn't do it um it was i had a lot of actually i had a lot of people actually encouraging me um and 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 be you know I had God kind of bless me even though I didn't have father figure growing up, bless me with a lot of male mentors along the way that tried to try as best as possible to uh, uh, teach me and instill good values in me and good character. And even after my grandma passed, um, I had other men just kind of come into come into my life and and fill that that mentor type space and allowed me to uh, to really get a better understanding of how to. Uh, add value and how to leave a legacy. Um, the only person that really said that I couldn't was myself. Um, and that was, that was a big awakening. You know, it was a big awakening that I was the one kind of holding myself back, uh, and saying I couldn't because of my circumstances and because of the attitude that I had and because of what I thought life owed me and because of, um, you know, just my just my my own outlook on 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 my future and and my vision. Not having a vision because uh, I didn't. I looked at it all through the lens of the past. So, you know, in terms of what Fusic mean means to me, it's uh, it wasn't really about you know for for what uh for other people saying something you know that I couldn't. It was uh it was really taking a look. Uh, deep inside and, and realizing that I was the only one holding me back, that, um, that I had the, you know, I, I had the ability based on the decisions that I made in life to better my circumstances and uh, even to even look at bad circumstances and realize that they're, they're for my betterment. So um, in terms of FUSIC, that's, that's really what it, what it means to me as it relates to my story. Wow. Well, there's a lot of things here, Luis, that uh, 
helped mold you. A, a few things that came to mind. Uh, one is the the world owed me something, and that that you know Mosier and a few other people that we spoke to have said the same thing. And I think we all have, if we're honest with ourselves, feel if we go through some tough times that that we have a chip on our shoulder, and the world owes us something. I think it's good to have a chip on your shoulder, but you got to you, you got to use it in a in a positive manner. Absolutely. You know, and I, I wonder if that was a part of what your grandma was trying to explain to you. Is that Luis? You 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 have so many special gifts, and you can't let the negatives affect you moving forward. You have to be positive, and you have and you can change, and you can decide what your faith will be. You know, that's that's powerful, and I'm sure she is looking down, man, and very proud of of what she's done. And she had to sacrifice a lot, like you said, to get to get you to be where you are. You know what I mean? And that's, oh yeah, absolutely, man. That's awesome. Uh, and on a, on a not so, well, I was going to say, uh, deep moment. I was thinking about this. When you said to you that you had to learn Sesame Street, learn English, I was thinking about maybe I should sit down. Maybe I should sit down and listen to, and watch Sesame Street with my daughter. I could pick up a little bit better English for myself. Yeah. Um, I, um, I have a I have a 10, uh, 10 month old little girl, man, Remington Grace, and uh, she loves puppets. Yeah. And, um, She's starting to watch Sesame Street, man, and she she enjoys it, and it just kind of brings me back to those moments, like, oh, man, things come full circle. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, great. Dude. Hey, Luis, one of the the things I was going to tie together is obviously I love your your grandmother's um, quote: "Be a product of your decision and not your circumstances." And I think that we've all faced uh, a little self doubt, you know, in our lives, and kind of how you were talking about how your fusic was usually you saying that you couldn't do something Mm -hmm. well i think it all ties together to that quote you know i'm I'm a big believer and you kind of reap what you sow and you know and most of us or all of us in a way are definitely products of our decisions whether we like it or not so i love the fact that she says be a product of your decisions and know and be and basically the way i took that and correct me if i'm wrong is that be aware that you're going to be a product of your decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so know what decisions you're going to make. Be conscious of those. Make the right decisions in your life because that's what you're going to be a product of. Mm-hmm. And you know, and if we all look back, there's all times where we self-doubt ourselves, and that's okay, right? But as long as we keep trusting that we're making the right decisions to, to help others like you were talking about, not just help yourself, you know, it usually turns out pretty dang well for us. And you know, I know that Heath said this one time, and, and it really hit with me, and it's, it's so true, is that when things are going completely wrong, just go help someone. You know, yeah. just go do something selflessly for someone else. Just randomly do it and and watch how your day turns around. And, you know, one of the biggest things I've tried to learn over the past few years is scratch enough other backs where and you never ask for your back to be scratched. Just go scratch everybody else's as much as you can and never worry about getting your back scratched in return. I think it all goes back to this saying i wrote it down i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it somewhere where i can see it because i love that quote be a product of your decisions not your circumstances and we find ourselves complaining about stuff that doesn't need to be complained about it's not worthy of being complained about and just i just love that that quote and how it all ties everything together that you said you can tell that your grandma's quote <laughs> made an impact on you because literally everything you said goes back to that and <laughs> the man that you are the reputation that you are 
it, there's a reason why that quote meant so much to you. So I'm proud of you, and I know she is too, man. Well, well thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I uh, I think that means. And even, even taking it a step further, I think that uh, you guys, obviously, a lot of the people that you've had on the podcast and a lot of your listeners, you know, they, they will all, we all have a story and we will all find ourselves in certain circumstances. And we, you come to that realization that, you know, certain circumstances you're just not going to be able to control. They're outside of your control. Uh, but you are, always have a power of decision. And you can all, there's always a decision to be made, even in that. Uh, dire circumstance and you can you can look at it for the negative or you can uh, make a decision at that particular moment in time regardless of the circumstance that um, you are you are going to have a positive attitude uh, regardless and you're you're going to come you're going to come out of it you know so um, I think that's important to note that's awesome Luis as we're rounding third here what advice would you give yourself a 21 year old Luis A 21-year-old Luis, uh, I would tell him to uh, in, invest in Google, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I and I tell him to uh, don't don't worry so much or give your hopes up because the Braves will never win a World Series again. So no, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no but uh, um, in in all seriousness, uh, actually thought a little bit. Uh, uh, listening to the other podcast. I knew you guys would uh, ask that question. So there's a, a couple of things that, that came to mind. Um, three things, actually, that came to mind that I thought were, if I were to go back and talk to my 21-year-old self, uh, that, I would, that I would tell him. And uh, I think the, the first thing I would, I would tell Orondaste Tertuliano Luis Martinez Duarte at the age of 21 is um, be mindful of your words. They have the uh, power to build, but they also have the power to destroy. Um, so I, I really would take that to heart and make sure that he's intentional about the words that he's using, the relationships that he's making, and who he's speaking with and who he's taking advice from, but making sure that he's using his words to uh, to build and not destroy. Uh, even after that moment with my grandmother, you know, uh, from the ages of 21 to about the age of 30, uh, I wouldn't say that I was very mindful of my words to uh, to others. I was very professional with my words. Uh, I'm, and um, I, I felt that I was a good speaker, uh, my, my undergrads in communications. So from that aspect, you know, I, I watched my words, but not from the aspect of uh, an emotional and spiritual standpoint. So I would just tell him to, to be to be mindful of the words that you're using and use them to uh, build build others up around you. So that would be that would be one. The uh, the second thing I would go back and tell him is uh, focus. You only get one, Louise. Hey, the, only get hey one. it's three, man. I work in I work in three. I'm just I work in threes, <laughs> <just> man. <laughs> You, you guys can go back. Go ahead. You guys can go back. You, and, as much time. <laughs> you guys can go back and edit the other two later. But I'm gonna I'm talk about my no, three. <laughs> we don't. We can't. Are you kidding me? We don't know how to edit this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, too funny, man. So the the second one, man, is I would tell him to uh, focus on growing in character, just as much, if not more, than growing in your career. I think uh, I put a lot of emphasis uh, in growing in my career and become, becoming educated and becoming, um, you know, very uh, aware and knowledgeable about the things around me and, and making sure that I was building uh, good relationships. Um, but I, I think that I could have focused more on actually 
building my character uh, so that I could become a, a, a true man of character, even even in my 20s. I feel that now, uh, later, you know, late 30s, uh, I'm, I've become a man of better character. I still got a lot of room to grow. Uh, but in my early 20s and up to the age of 30, I don't, I wouldn't consider myself a man of character. So I would tell him to focus on growing in character just as much as growing in your career. And then I think the uh, the last thing I would just close um, close that conversation with is just letting him know that uh, Jesus is real. It's uh, it's not a concept. He's not a myth or a legend. Uh, he's a he's he's the real thing. Yeah, buddy. And if you, if you put your faith and trust in him, that uh, he's going to carry you all your days of your life and that you will find a joy and peace that exceeds all understanding. And uh, I didn't be uh, become a believer till I was the, at the age of 30. And um, so it, I think that that impacted uh, the way that I viewed, viewed things and did things in my early 20s. Not that I did anything, you know, drastically wrong, but it's just... Uh, not being but isn't it amazing how making him a habit in your life on a daily basis puts everything in perspective like when you when it becomes a habit to look to jesus when things go right or wrong and just thank him isn't it better and i don't know for me as i've learned that longer in life like i just i get over things a lot quicker it takes the pressure off okay yeah right you know it's like you know it just i don't know i I love that what you just said because it's so true we just we realize that things are going to be okay. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. I think in my early twenties and late twenties, you know, I was trying to find fulfillment in life and a lot of other things, and it wasn't until the age of thirty that I uh, had a good understanding of what it meant to have a relationship with Christ, and and that's when I started truly finding, you know, life fulfillment and a true joy and a and a peace that I couldn't even explain, man. And I I started getting a better understanding that success wasn't an accomplishment. It wasn't a it, it wasn't a destination. It's a about doing the right right thing and uh and impacting others and providing and providing value and and success is uh is a journey and when you when you think about life that way it just becomes a lot more fulfilling it's not about you know what can i do and with the five ten year fifteen year plan retirement plan it's uh it's about how is today going to be successful by adding value um and by creating a positive impact to those around me and if uh if i can do that then i'm going to have a successful day that's right nailed it nailed it awesome awesome job luis i think we should try to say your name one more time man because you have just absolutely blown this podcast out of the water man so tj i'll let you go first orondaste tortilino luis martinez duarte Nice man. Pretty sure you said Tortellino. Yeah, like yeah. Tortelliano. <laughs> Tortelliano. Tortelliano. Right. Orondaste Tortelliano. Yeah. Luis Martinez Duarte. Yeah, man. I messed that one. Awesome. Too. That was better at the beginning. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, this was a great one. Thank you, Luis. Awesome job, bud. Um, got so many quotes and, and notes on this one, and can't wait to publish it. And uh, love everybody. Love all right. And, uh, Signing off. Impacts today. All right, guys. Bye-bye thanks now. again. You guys take care. Fusic, a podcast for everyone who said I couldn't. <laughs>